Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, as he teaches in Philemon 1, 8 through 16, a beloved brother. Look, he could have just ignored Onesimus when he showed up and asked Paul for help. All we can tell from the the text, because we have to fill in some blanks, is that more than likely, it's not an uncommon practice at this time. If a slave was in trouble or in division between him and his master, he would often go to a, a neutral third party and would ask for a plea on their behalf. And so what we are gathering is that more than likely, Onesimus goes to Paul because he knows that he knows Philemon, and he says, Paul, hey, you have good rapport with Philemon and the church in Colossae there. Can you help me? Because I really messed up, and I need someone to bail me out. Paul could have easily said, I don't have time for this. I'm an old man. I'm tired. I'm I'm on house arrest right now. I don't have time for this. But instead, what we see in the text is that it could have been years that Paul has been pouring in to Onesimus and discipling him in the ways of Christ. He takes a young man under his wing who needs refuge, who needs help, and who needs discipleship. And he does what he preaches. See, even beyond words, I think that more often than not, people could care less, uh, couldn't care less so much about what you have to say. They want to see what you will do. I believe that the people I have the most respect for in my life are people that not only can talk the talk, but they walk the walk. There's a consistency between the things that they say and the way that they live their life. In fact, in 1 John 4, 8, it says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Is there a gray area in that scripture? <laughs> no, it's very black and white. If you do not love, then you do not know God. And all of us want to look at that and say, I'm looking for loopholes. But John makes it abundantly clear. If you love God, you will love each other. It sounds easy until you have to do it. It's been said many times, I've been on staff here for a decade now, and we often joke in staff meetings, ministry would be really easy without people. (laughs) That's what we talk about in our staff meetings. No, I'm kidding. But it's true, because people are difficult. People have issues, problems, and then the group sitting in there talking about it is a group of people with different opinions about everything. We have to limit who's in each meeting or it'll just keep going. Some of you experience this in the corporate professional business world. You just know Rob's not in this meeting because if Rob's in this meeting, we're not gonna ever get out of here, right? There's always that guy that's got an opinion on everything. And it is so much easier to talk about these principles of Christianity, fundamental things of our faith, but it is another thing to apply them and walk in them Turn with me to Mark chapter 12. So turn to your left a little bit back in your New Testament. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the second book of the New Testament. Mark chapter 12. If we could get these verses on the screen, if there's anybody back there. Mark chapter 12. 
I'll give you a moment to get there. Mark chapter 12. We're going to go to verse 28. In the context of this scripture, we see Jesus in Jerusalem, and over and over again, he's been challenged by the religious leaders and the Pharisees, and they're just trying to entrap Jesus somehow. You know, I heard a pastor the other day say, it's always interesting how people follow Jesus around, but they didn't like him, but they followed him everywhere he went. You know, you could just see the, the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees and the religious leaders. Jesus comes into town and they're all like, <clears throat> oh, what is he doing now? You know, and he said, it's the same thing today. He was a pastor on social media. He said, people follow me and they comment on all my videos telling me how much they don't like me, but they're following me. And people do it. People never change. And here's the religious leaders. They're following Jesus everywhere, but they can't stand him. But they're still following him everywhere he goes, listening to his teachings. That'd be like showing up to a church every Sunday, and you don't like the pastor or the worship team, but you come every week and complain about it every week. Go somewhere else. It doesn't make any sense. And so these guys are following Jesus around, always trying to catch him in his words, trying to catch him in some sort of, you know, what they would call uh, heresy or blasphemy. And it says in verse 28, Jesus has been debating. And it says that one of the scribes overheard what was going on in verse 28 of Mark chapter 12. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, that is Jesus answered them well, because he always answers well. He will never lose one of these arguments. The scribe asked him, Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. This is the words of Jesus Christ. And he says, the second most important thing for you as a Christian, a command from God, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. Oh, that's nice. You can imagine the humility that it must take for Jesus to be like, oh, thank you. Ha, I'm glad that you have approved of what I've just said. I am God. But he doesn't do that. I would have said that, but I'm not God. And we'd have no hope if I was Jesus. So thank you, Lord. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all your heart and with all understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than the, all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Notice that. This scribe is wise enough to know that all the burnt offerings mean nothing comparatively to these commands. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, notice this, Jesus talking. And I, I gather from the, the, the way this text unfolds that this scribe is genuine in what he's saying. Jesus says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I just, oh, this, this text just brings you into this interaction can you see it? Jesus is sitting, debating, and the Pharisees are trying so hard to entrap him in his words. 
And Jesus, so eloquent and so full of love and peace and composed, clothed in humility. Maybe this scribe, a part of him wanted to entrap Jesus in something. But as Jesus begins to speak, have you ever noticed when Jesus' words begin to flow, something changes? And maybe for a moment, this scribe sought to try to entrap Jesus. But as he begins to speak, his heart is softened. And you can see the Lord in such kindness and gentleness say, Friend, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And I love this, how it ends. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. (laughs) It's so satisfying. They were like, all right, we can't get this guy. Let's forget it. And then they keep trying later. They keep following him. Turn back to our passage in Philemon. So Jesus, our Lord, if you are a Christian, you are indeed, by definition, a Christ follower. That guy, who is God, says that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second greatest commandment is that you should love one another. Love your neighbor. And we know from other times in the New Testament, in Jesus' earthly ministry, who is your neighbor? The person that you hate the most. Because when Jesus is talking to the lawyer, who's an expert in religious law, in religion, which is not what you should be an expert in today, because this is not a religion, trying to figure out where Jesus is at, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, the Samaritan that you hate is your neighbor. Love him as you love yourself. Hmm. Jesus didn't say, oh, your brothers, the people that you get along with the best, if you love them, you're good. (laughs) That'd be great, wouldn't it? But that's not what he said. No, the Lord looked at the lawyer and said, the Samaritan is your neighbor. That's who you're called to love. And so we look at our text in Philemon and we see a man asked to love the very man that stabbed him in the back, that betrayed him. And it's very possible that Onesimus is known throughout the city there in Colossae. People know what's happened. Maybe there was some drama, you know. The women gather for their, their morning coffee. Oh, did you hear? Did you hear what, what happened with Philemon and Onesimus? The men are like, I can't believe Onesimus. Do you hear what he did? Yeah, he stole, stole a bunch of jewelry and just took off. You know, they're all talking about it. I don't know why they're all talking like, oh, yeah, I don't know. But they're talking. They're probably talking. People know what happened. And what's even more interesting is that most biblical scholars agree that this letter is read for the first time in front of the whole church. Can you imagine being a pastor, being Pastor Philemon, and you're in your church, and the congregation's gathered, and you're like, guys, we got a letter from Paul. People are like, woo! And Philemon's up there, and he's like, oh man, he's so happy with us, guys. He's he's praising us for just being faithful and being good ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And Onesimus... Uh, hold on. Can you imagine Philemon? He's like, wait, what? And you have to be thinking, if you're Philemon in this situation, you have to be thinking to yourself, how in the world does Paul know Onesimus? How does he know him? What is going on? 
Onesimus, how do you know him? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. The next topic to dive into was requested by a listener, Anxiety. What is it, and how do you work through it? And it catches you off guard when people do occasionally. You say, hey, how are you doing? And all of a sudden, the cashier at your local grocery store starts telling you how their day is actually going. And it almost catches us off guard because we are so busy, and I think busyness is a huge contributor to anxiety. But I think that's a key thing, is that Jesus takes his anxiety first and foremost to his Heavenly Father. So if we can kind of combine two ideas of what you shared, Pastor Shane. One is that Jesus took it to the Father in prayer. And that's a key. And that's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer Mm -hmm. and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. So that's a wonderful remedy. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, on Walk in Truth. Most biblical scholars agree that this letter is read for the first time in front of the whole church. Can you imagine being a pastor, being Pastor Philemon, and you're in your church, and the congregation's gathered, and you're like, guys, we got a letter from Paul. People are like, woo! And Philemon's up there, and he's like, oh man, he's so happy with us, guys. He's, he's praising us for just being faithful and being good ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And Onesimus... <clears throat> Uh, hold on. Can you imagine Philemon? He's like, wait, what? And you have to be thinking, if you're Philemon in this situation, you have to be thinking to yourself, how in the world does Paul know Onesimus? How does he know him? What is going on? Onesimus, how do you know him? No, 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 that guy owes me a lot of money. And you know, I just, I just imagine that there is some strategy in this. Now, it is even more interesting when you get into different opinions on how the letter is delivered. Now, this is just conjecture, but for the sake of exploring it, it's very possible that Epaphras might be the one who's delivering these letters, but it's possible that Paul sends Onesimus back with the letter. Now, can you imagine being Onesimus and you show up and you're like, Hey, Philemon. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a minute. Hey, this is from the Apostle Paul. I may or may not be in there. Now, another school of thought is that Epaphras delivers the letters to both the church in Colossae and to Philemon, and he tells Onesimus to hang out 
maybe in a nearby town so that he doesn't get killed on the way there. And this is probably more likely, uh, but it's just interesting to think about. So Epaphras delivers the letters and uh, Philemon, uh, uh, excuse me, Onesimus, there's a lot of names going on. Onesimus stays back and he now waits for the verdict and for the decision. He's got to be anxious as he's waiting. And so Philemon reading the letter, Paul says in verse 9, I could command you, but for love's sake, I prefer to ask you or to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner. Some argue that maybe the word that Paul used here instead of prisoner may have been an ambassador for Jesus. Both applicable, both work. And so you can imagine Philemon reading this in front of the congregation. And in verse 10, this is where this is where it gets real. Paul says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Now, he says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. And some of you would read that at face value and say, wow, that was, that was harsh. Well, it's a play on words because Onesimus' name means useful in Greek. That's what his name means. And he's been rather useless up until this point because he stole and ran away. So Paul uses, this is a pun or a play on words. He's not actually calling Onesimus useless. But he is making a point that now he is a new creation. He's a Christian now. He's your brother in Christ. And so he says, I could command you, but instead I ask you, Onesimus, who I have become like a father to, Paul uses this type of language as he talks about Timothy as well. And, you know, something I love about Paul is that he was intentional about the young men that were around him in his life. And he desired to take young men under his wing and train them up in the knowledge of the gospel, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he equipped the saints and he built future leaders for the church. And that's a call on each one of our lives that we would be taking in people who are younger than us and and saying, hey, and maybe not younger in age necessarily, but just in the faith. And we would say, let me let me help you. Let me walk alongside you as we do life together. And so. In many ways, this is a prodigal son story. And now Philemon, the ball is in his court, if you will. And so he has to make a decision. Can you imagine, though, if he read it in front of the entire congregation, and now you can kind of almost hear it. Like, he reads, uh, I've become like a father to Onesimus, and you can almost hear, like, the murmur in the, in the crowd. Like, oh my gosh, that's, that's the guy. You can hear the drama stirring. Maybe an audible, <gasps> Right? I remember years ago, I was leading worship and I wear contacts sometimes and more often than not. And I had a contact fall out of my eye while I was leading worship. And we have lyrics in the back of the room and I'm like, I can't see. And I'm supposed to lead these people in these words and I can't see them. So the song ended and some of you who have been around Living Truth for a while might remember this moment. But I, I leaned down and I picked up the contact and I just put it right back in my eye. And there was an audible, <gasps> you know, the crowd just like the, the congregation just couldn't believe it. They were like, oh, no, 
You know, I've been wearing contacts most of my life, so it didn't really phase me. But my grandma is very much a germaphobe and a, a neat freak, and she nearly had a heart attack in the front row. No, Shane, what are you doing, you know? An audible gasp, maybe, amidst the congregation as the letter is read aloud. And so Paul says in verse 12, now the... the the news is out, right? The cat's out of the bag. Not that Paul was being manipulative, but he was waiting for the right time in the letter to say, okay, you're doing all these things well, and now I need you to do this. Take Onesimus back. And he says, I am sending him back to you. So now people are reading the letter, and I wonder if they're thinking, is he here? Is he in town? Is he back? And from what we know, he's back. But what does Paul say? He says, I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. And you can tell there's this deep bond that he's built, this relationship with Onesimus. And he says, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But Paul, practicing what he preaches, lays aside what he would like in this situation. And he says, I'm going to send him back to you. Receive him. Because I want you to, not because you have to. Because you want to, not because you have to. See, when Christ calls you to love one another, to love your neighbor, it's not because you have to so much as it's because he wants you to. And you might say, well, I don't want to. Well, then your desires are not yet aligned with Christ. And so you need to trade your old man, the old way of doing things, and the fleshly desires for the desires of Jesus. If you are struggling to love someone, to forgive someone tonight, you must surrender that to the Lord. You can't do it on your own, friend. You've probably been trying for a long, long time. And you will never find it in your own gusto, in your own strength, the ability to muster the courage to forgive them truly. I believe outside of Jesus, there is no such thing as true forgiveness. The world's level and idea and and, and way of forgiving is incomplete without Christ. And so you can say, no, I've forgiven them. And how many of you have done this? We've all done it. I've done it. I forgive you. We're cool. And then an hour later, you're still talking about what happened because you haven't forgiven them. No, bitterness has been building in your heart. And you've given some of you in this room, Satan, a foothold for years because you are unwilling to surrender that thing. And it's pride. And you say, it's not pride. No, friend, it's pride. Because if you really believe that Christ can heal even the worst of the worst, the worst situations, then you will surrender that thing and stop trying to do it on your own. Forgiveness is key. I've done multiple weddings and I've said at those weddings um, words that I've heard from my own father doing weddings who said to me at my own wedding when I stood in front of my bride, unforgiveness will always keep your marriage uh, at a standstill or hold you back. Forgiveness will always move your marriage forward. And that principle is applicable to every relationship in your life and in my life. Forgiveness will always move things forward. Unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment will always, always move things backwards. 
And so maybe for you tonight, you need to finally surrender whatever it may be before the Lord Jesus and say, God, I need you to work in me so that I can forgive. Because you have been given a great forgiveness. I have received great forgiveness. Forgiveness like the world has never seen. The world can't offer. Because the scripture says that your sins and my sins when we've repented and called on the Lord Jesus are as far as the east is from the west, cast into the deepest part of the sea. That means that the Lord has forgiven you and then chose to forget. He's chosen to forget what you've done. Though he could remember forever, he chooses to forget your sins and forgive. You've been listening to A Beloved Brother, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, as he teaches in Philemon 1, 8 through 16. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teaching in more books of the Bible. As you know, we love to connect with our listeners, and that means you. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the rest of us here a letter. We love to get mail, so you can get all that contact information on walkintruth.com. Or if you're ready now, here's the email address. It's contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Again, you can write us at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, as he teaches in Philemon 1, 8 through 16, called A Beloved Brother. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.